even with all of our complexity, all of our imperfections, all of our deepest regrets, all of that, we can be secure and we can have hope because of Jesus. We're loved. Um, and I think that's David. That's David at the end of his life. Amen. This is my hope. And that's us. You're listening to The Chopping Room, a weekly podcast from City Life Church where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. Well, good morning, Andrew. Hello, Brett. Does anyone call you Andrew in your life? Um... Only government officials. Just me and government when officials. When they're reading a document with my name on it. <laughs> Good. Okay. I like to be unique. Well, we're back here on the chopping block talking about the last sermon in the Life of David series, Second uh, Samuel chapter 23. You kind of titled this sermon, David's Last Words. And uh, whether they were actually his officially literal Last words, they're what's recorded here in kind of a oracle or prophecy, as you mentioned. And you know, maybe just a fun way, maybe a fun way for me, I don't know if it'd be fun for everybody, but for sure I'll enjoy it, is uh, you mentioned David's nickname here at the end of verse 1. He calls the, C- the CSB doesn't get it. No, yeah, it says this is the most delightful of Israel's songs, but... Which version says uh, the sweet psalmist? If you read commentaries, they would say that a more literal translation is the sweet, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Yeah. So this is who David is. He's remembered, yes, as a king, yes, as a warrior, but as this man who wrote these incredibly worshipful, emotional prayers that were sung uh, as worship. Sweet psalmist. And that's who he is. Did you have a nickname like the sweet psalmist? When you grew up? Well, I mentioned in the sermon that one nickname I had was Double A. Yeah, is that because you just kept going? No. Like I a was battery? Not the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> Andy Atkinson, AA. So people would riff on it. I had one teammate that called me A squared, A to the A, Double A. <laughs> My other nickname was... So the, really just... We, we kinda yeah, we just riffed on the A and the Circled a. around the A's yeah, the whole time. Pretty, pretty boring. Not as good as the Sweet Psalmist. <laughs> That's it. Well. What about you? Do you have I any was nicknames? really tall and really skinny and pretty goofy and pretty uncoordinated for most of my childhood. <laughs> my dad would often call me squirrel because I just was all over the place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of all. Or he, because of Dennis Rodman and because I was kind of a rebounding guy in basketball, he'd call me the worm. So. All right. Squirrel or the worm. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> different than double A. <laughs> Man, I think I'll take mine. <laughs> My Twitter handle was B Wiles. I always called myself the artist officially known as B Wiles or B Wees, so you can call me that too. On a youth camp uh, one year, I was we were staying in these in rooms, and we were actually, we got to, we got to bunk with our senior pastor. He was he was the chaperone in the room with uh-huh. us, which was like a big privilege uh, to get to be with the Mick, Mickey Dalrymple. Shout out! 
Um, and he would let us like we'd stay up at night. We could just ask him questions. We, yeah. And we we could hit him with anything. Yeah. And but this was carrying on pretty late into the night. And this was this was like week or this was like day three or four of the this trip. Uh huh. I was exhausted. And so at the end of our time together, he's like, Well, by ways, let's pray. And so we started praying. When it came time for me to pray, I was asleep. Uh-huh. And so I woke up the next morning to a new nickname, which was the kid. He's just a kid. He just can't <laughs> handle it. So that carried on for years. I was the kid as well. So Okay. So double A or the kid. I love it. That's it. Not necessarily uh, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Um, so as we got, you know, I feel like your sermon this week was pretty personal in terms of just, you know, a lot of what you were talking about with David is, you know, this verse one, these are the last words of David, the declaration of David, son of Jesse, the declaration of the man raised on high, the one anointed by the God of Jacob, you know, and then that language of the sweet psalmist of Israel. And you kind of talked about how in some ways this is a really, it seems really quick, but this is kind of a reflection on David's whole life and, and his origin story. He's a son of Jesse picked out of the pasture by God and placed on the throne. You know, he was uh, raised up on high by God, anointed by the spirit to be king. Uh, so so while it's a quick hitting verse, it's not a bad, as you said, it's not a bad way to sum up kind of David's life at a really high level. You know, one of the things that I I try to do is I'm working through a text and thinking about moving from the text to the sermon mm-hmm. is just like what's the dominant tone mm-hmm. of that text? And I think the tone that I settled into is just a tone of reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, here's David at the end of his life. Yeah. And certainly like, Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's about to prophesy, like he's about to give an oracle of an of a greater king that's coming, and the king, this king of justice and holiness, who lives in righteousness and the fear of God. Um, but it it, it really reads as a reflective text, yeah, to me. Um, and so that was some of the tone that I was trying to live into, um, as I was preaching it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's a pretty effective biography of David's right, life. Right. And that kind of led you to you just have the, have us, the congregation, kind of think through even our own stories. What's your origin story? Where do you come from? You know, the who 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 and what are those things that uh most shaped who you are, right? Um and sometimes that's a really hard process for people. I mean, sometimes that story can be painful, uh, for sure. But why is it why is it healthy for us to regularly? You know, you started with that um, that Psalm. I think is it Psalm ninety twelve or that, yep. that teaches to number our days. Yep. Why is some of this uh, like personal reflection, introspection, healthy for us as believers to think on our story, to think on uh, God's work in our life? even in some of the hard places? Why, why is that a, a really good practice for us? Well, we, we saw this a couple of weeks ago when Andy Herman was preaching on kind of David's downfall. Yeah. Um, his fall into sin. 
you know, where David got complacent. And I think in that moment, David forgot who he was. Mm-hmm. And he really forgot the Lord's grace in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so here he is at the end of his life kind of reflecting on the good and the bad. Um, but at the heart of David's story is a story of the Lord's grace. I mean, he he was this obscure shepherd boy in the fields of Bethlehem, and the Lord took him out of that and made him, set him on high, mm-hmm. to, to use David's language, and made him the king. And I think, um, I think one way that we avoid complacency and one way that we um, remain faithful is by remembering our story, yeah. even the bad parts, even the hard parts of going, man, God has done a work in, in my life. Um, and he's shown me grace and um, he saved me. And so, yes, remember your origin story, uh, but remember your salvation story. Right. You know, together is that story of redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to come back to that regularly. We, I, I don't know that we regularly enough rehearse, or maybe I'll just speak for myself, that I rehearse enough um, the story of God's grace in my life. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what David's doing here to some degree at the end is just remembering. Yeah. No, that's good. That's something I think about and, and talk with people from t- time to time. Why why even journaling can be really powerful uh, over time because, you know, you get in those seasons where God feels very distant or you feel very dry and just remembering what God has done in your life. And sometimes having that physical evidence of it is, is powerful. You know, think of Israel setting up memorial stones after they crossed the Jordan uh, to come into the promised land to be remember, to remember what God had done. Right. Um, I read that this morning. You're welcome. Uh, so, <laughs> but I think having those memorial stones in our life are really powerful. And, and maybe we've talked about this some before, but, but I think that's, what's good. Uh, good for us when we think back on what God's done in our stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, because he's in the middle of it. Uh, So, you know, that reflecting on his life kind of ends with what we kind of joked about to start here with, this nickname of the sweet psalmist of Israel. And you made the comment, like, this is what David was remembered for. This is what he was known for. This was his legacy amongst the people. And, uh, you know, you asked really a good question, a hard question, you know, just what do you want to be remembered for? Mm. What do you want to be known for your legacy? Uh, you know, I wonder if you might even just share a little bit how you think about that question right now in your life personally and how maybe that's changed in your 10, 12 years of pastoring from when you started pastoring. What, what, what you really want to be remembered for. For sure. I, I even wrestled with the question because I think there's a danger in asking it. Right. That we think that the goal of our lives is to be known. Yeah. Um, to be great in the world's definition. Um, so I'll borrow from Zach S. Wine, who describes the world's definition of greatness as doing large things famously as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, that large, famous, fast paradigm is kind of the culture we live in. Mm. Um, so I think to counterbalance that, I think um, I think of a quote by Count Zinzendorf who said one time, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Like the goal of your life is faithfulness, not f- fame. 
Right. Um, and so I want to be careful there. Um, and, and there was a time in my life where I would have said, yeah, I want to do, I want to do great things for God. Yeah. And I was using the word great in a very worldly way. Um, and I think the longer I go, um, I just, I want to be faithful to those closest to me. Mm-hmm. Like genuinely, I want to be known as a loving husband and a, and a good father. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be a faithful pastor. I mean, the longer I go, the more local I become. Like there are, there are men and women who have much larger bandwidth than I do to do these macro level things. Yeah. And I'm just, the longer I go, I get more and more micro. I, I just get hyper local. Um, I just want to be in a place and be faithful. Um, and to love well and to lead well um, in the context, in the arenas that, that the Lord's given me. No, uh, yeah, that's really good, man. I, I, I feel like the Lord, and I'm a little younger than you, I uh, still have some learning to do, but but I feel like the Lord taught me a pretty similar lesson. Before I came on staff of the church, I was coaching high school basketball. My first year as a head coach, uh, you know, we had just come off a, a, a state playoff run year, really good year. Didn't return a whole lot of players. Uh, but I was excited. You know, I was young. I was like, Let me, I'm going to build a program. This is, you know, I'm going to build, in some ways, I'm going to build my name as a coach mm-hmm. by how we play. We're going to be tough. All these things. And we start out 0-6 before Christmas. And I questioned my existence. I questioned, <laughs> I thought, I literally was like, Emily, let's just get out of town. We could probably just slip away. No one would know. But. In the middle of that, I was reading uh, John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, like, and all I was doing was watching film, trying to be a great coach, trying to make a name for myself, like burning, burning it at both ends, not home with my family, and like questioning everything about my identity. And I just remember like a, a, a moment with the Lord where it was like, you know, if I miss someplace, like I'd rather be remembered as the worst basketball coach in history rather than the absent father or the, the, the unloving husband. Yep. I was like, man, I, I love these guys, this team, but, but, but this is where I want to make sure I don't miss. And, uh, took a painful lesson to go like, yeah, I'm going to be faithful in whatever God calls me to vocationally, but, but, but I'm going to really give myself here. So faithful is the word I've, I've chosen to. And I think that's really, really good. You know, I, I think of like, uh, William Carey, Mm-hmm. who said attempt great things for God and expect great things from God, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a great quote yeah. and a noble ambition. I think I think we live in that tension, right? Mm-hmm. Of like what I'm not espousing is that we shouldn't attempt great things for God. Right. I think the real question there becomes your heart and your motives. Right. And I'm reading a fantastic book right now by John Stark called the secret place of thunder. Mm. What and, a great title. Oh, uh, and the subtitle, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not going to get this quite right, but it's like trading in performative spirituality for like a hidden life in God. It's mm-hmm. so good. Like even the title, it's like, come on, man, that's really good. Mm-hmm. But he, he really hits hard on this idea of performative spirituality. Yeah. You know, Jesus talked a lot about that in Matthew six. 
you know, beware of practicing your righteousness before others to be seen by them. Um, and so I think, I think that's a really helpful, uh, filter yeah. to help us think through this is like, what I'm not saying is that we shouldn't live ambitious lives for the kingdom. Right, right, right. Got to be careful about our motives. Yeah. You know, so that question of what do you want to be remembered for? It's a dangerous one. It's an important one. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a dangerous one. Yeah. Yeah, and then you stuck me with that question that you said something like, uh, if nothing changes about your life currently, what will be your deathbed regrets? We don't have to get into all that this morning. But it's a great question for us to reflect on because really it's it's getting at some of our habits yep. and uh, you know your habits are what forming you whether they're healthy habits or they're unhealthy habits. Yep. So that that really punched me in the gut. I appreciate that. Um, well, I do think though. Don't you think though that we we live under this illusion that like oh we, we can we can address that bad habit tomorrow. Right. I'll fix it tomorrow. And then before you know it, you're on your deathbed going, dang it. Like that never went away. Like I never addressed that. And like, it's just a lie. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lie. It's like, man, there is an opportunity to, ref, you know, to learn from David reflecting on his life, seeing the good and the bad and the ugly. Like, I mean, I don't have to be, you know, in David's position with regrets. There are, there are things that can be repented of and changed. Yeah. No, that's good. So really the second half of the sermon was, was this this reality that David had some regrets, that you know he was picturing this perfect king in verses 3 and 4, the, the one who rules the people with justice, who rules in the fear of God. He is like the morning light when the sun rises on a cloudless morning, the glisten of rain on sprouting grass. And just reflect on this reality that David knew that's, that's not him. He ain't him. Uh, you know, there were some regrets and, uh, and then, but ultimately, um, he found relief in outside of himself. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, and I think that's maybe the key lesson here from, from, from David's life. But, you know, what, when you think about us finishing we, we've been going through this sermon series for, what are we on, 10 weeks, something like that? Something like that. And, you know, we've heard from a lot of different people in this sermon series as we're going through Old Testament narrative about, you know, Israel's most revered king, but we're we're really trying to show what, what the Lord's doing here with the person of Jesus, ultimately. What, what do you hope people walked away not only from this sermon with, thinking about the life of David, uh, but but maybe our sermon series in general. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, part of what I hope for is that, and I think we said this in the beginning as we were kind of diving into the chopping block, is that my hope is that week after week, whether it's me preaching or you preaching bread or Andy Herman preached one in this series, that we're modeling a way to engage with the text. Um, a couple things there. Uh, one is that hopefully you've seen week after week that the hero of David's life is not David, it's right. Jesus, right? 
but that also we're invited into the text with an imagination mm-hmm. that we're invited to situate ourselves there with David and David's life is so relatable in so many ways. In some ways it could be really unrelatable. It's like, I mean, he's this King in this, you know, ancient near Eastern world. And that feels very distant, but the closer you get to David, you start to realize here is a real guy, you know, and, and hopefully we've, we've shown some, some nuance and, and in depth to David's character to David's life that you found relatable. Yeah. Um, and I think we're, we're invited into the text that way. And we've been able to not only see Jesus as the hero, but to see ourselves in all of the complexity that David is. I mean, that's us. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, you know, I think that's a big takeaway for us. Um, that we're no different than these, these, characters that we encounter yeah in the story and um and we share the same need that they have which is a a king of righteousness you know this this Mm. this one who fears the lord and that's not us i was reflecting on a tim keller quote that didn't make it into the sermon but i think it really frames up david's life and it frames up our life um well um, it's maybe a good punctuation mark on this series, which is, uh, Keller says that the gospel is this, that we are more deeply flawed than we even know mm-hmm. and more dearly loved than we can imagine at the same time. And that's really David's hope at the end, right? As he reflects on his life, he's gone, man, I'm a deeply flawed guy. I am not the king mm-hmm. that Israel needs. We need that king mm-hmm. to come. And he has come. And he is coming. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we can rest secure. Yeah. You know, at the end of our life or wherever we find ourselves today, we can dwell securely in the sure love of Jesus. Yeah. Even with all of our complexity, all of our imperfections, all of our deepest regrets, all of that, we can be secure and we can have hope because of Jesus. We're loved. Um, and I think that's David. That's David at the end of his life going, man, this is my hope, and that's us. Yeah. No, that's really good. That's that's my hope, too. You know, you mentioned the Leonard quote, Cohen, Cohen uh, quote of that we're a broken hallelujah, that David's a broken hallelujah. Uh, I, I That's my real hope, too, that, that everyone took away from the series, just this idea that too often – in the past, we have built up biblical characters to be like these perfect bar-setting people that we could never achieve to be. And, and our our goal is not to disparage every biblical hero every week of, of, of sermons, but there's a reality there that's that's really good for us, that like each person is not it. Yeah. And they're pointing to who is it. There, uh, there are aspects of their lives that are worthy of aspiration. Right. I mean, I I'll, in this way, I want to be like David. Right. But ultimately, I, I need a greater David. Mm. Well, this sets us up really well for Palm Sunday. And uh, the king. The king is coming. The king is coming. Amen. Amen. If you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. 
for listening. 